Greetings in Jesus' name again this morning. We can win. Now, that's not the title that I have, but I thought about it in relation to our Sunday school lesson and so forth. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll look at a couple of verses here and then focus on basically on one verse in what I read here. Second Corinthians chapter two, starting at verse twelve. It says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? I'll stop reading there. Title I have is Triumphant in Christ. We win. We can win. And I've struggled in some of the things that I have to say this morning as to whether I say we should or we do. And I think you'll understand a little bit, you know, we, we should do this. In reality, we do it. And so um, we'll, we'll look at some of those. I'm going to focus on verse 14 this morning. Triumphant in Christ. <clears throat> I'm going to break it down, and some of these things aren't necessarily spelled out in here. But from this verse, we think of triumph or triumphant. The Christian life is a life of conflict. You don't triumph in something if there's nothing uh, to, to win. And so I looked up the word triumph in the dictionary and it says this, it's a great victory or achievement. So in the conflict, we can be triumphant. We can have victory. The anonym of triumph is defeat. Yes, sometimes we're defeated. But it's not because there's not provision for triumph. The state of being victorious or successful. The joy or satisfaction resulting from success or victory. That's what triumph is. Now, in the King James, there's. I thought this was interesting. In that verse, it says, causeth us to triumph. Causeth and triumph are the same words. I thought that was interesting. Uh, 
Christian life is a life of conflict. We will have conflicts as long as we're here. Until you die, you're going to have conflicts. <clears throat> Part of that conflict is what we read about in Ephesians 6 where it says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Anybody doubt that we have conflict this morning? That life, spiritual life, is a conflict. We're wrestling against someone. And it's not against our neighbor. Now sometimes in our wrestle it focuses on our neighbor, but our, we wrestle against spiritual wickedness. In 1 Timothy, we're told to fight the good fight of faith. We're in a conflict. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession of the presence of, in the presence of many witnesses. And then you go down in 2 Timothy 4.7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So in the conflict, we don't just float along. We fight the good fight of faith. We lay hold on eternal life. So that then we can have the assurance that we have fought the good fight. In this battle, we have an enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, or watchful, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, whom resist or resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. Your battle is not just unique to you. Others are fighting this battle against the devil. The devil is trying his best to devour. Now, yes, the devil also works in other subtle ways. 
to try to sneak in. But in our battle, we are battling against the devil. This is a warfare of choice. You chose this warfare. We have enlisted to fight in this battle. 2 Timothy 2 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You chose to be in the army of God. You chose to enlist as a soldier in his army. We have a battle. And a lot of the conflicts we face in life are because of that choice of being one of Christ. Came across a poem says he chooses, in other words referring to God choosing, where our captain bids us go, tis not ours to murmur, no. He that gives the sword and shield chooses to the battlefield on which we are to fight the foe. The Christian life is a life of conflict. Because to have triumph, you need to win a battle. The Christian life is also a life of triumph. It's not a defeatist life. The New King James says, He leads us in triumph causeth us to triumph, leads us in triumph. Romans 8, we are more than conquerors. I want to read a few verses from Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. In this conflict, we can triumph. In this conflict, we can be, dare I say, more than triumphant. I'm not sure how you can get there, but the same way that you are more than conquerors. Christ is more than sufficient. I want to be careful so I don't get into the next part. Continuing to read in Romans 8. After he says, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, are we afraid to go into the battle because we're afraid of how we might respond to that battle? We can be more than conquerors. The Apostle Paul said he's persuaded, he's convinced that none of these things can take away his triumph. Too many times I end up on the defeat column. And it's because of me. If you end up on the defeat column, it's because of you. It's not because of somebody else. It's because of me. The Christian life is triumphant. Why? Because Christ gives us the power. Acts 1.8 but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You know the rest of the verse. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. But my focus this morning is on the first part of that verse. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the power to come through uh, triumphant is there. We can count on that. Christ gives us the power. Now here's where the should and making a little more emphatic I struggled a little bit with. Is defeat an option for the Christian? I wrote down defeat is not an option for the Christian. I didn't know if I ought to write defeat should not be a def an option of the Christian. But it's really not an option. Because that's giving in to the devil. Christ has given us the power to come through triumphant. We don't need to be defeated. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always... <clears throat> having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Do you notice how many times all and every and all that kind of thing fits in that verse? God is able to make all grace, always having all, all sufficiency in all things, so that you can have an abundance for every good work. So I say defeat is not an option for the Christian. And I hasten to say, and I've already said it, I've been defeated too many times. But it still isn't an option. 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So if I'm defeated, it's because of me. Because Christ is greater, he's provided all grace so that we can have all sufficiency and all things in abundance for every good work. Job 17 verse 9 says, 
yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. I had to ask somebody. A phrase of a song came to my mind, and I wrote it down, but I still couldn't come up with the song. I could sing the, the chorus, but I couldn't get to what the song was. So if you all saw me go over and ask Jennifer this morning, John couldn't even come up with the song. So I guess I'm, my old mind isn't uh, too, too old. Um, let's sing from memory, and I think we can do it. Yield not to temptation. The phrase that came to my mind was, each victory will help you some other to win. One triumph helps in another. But we aren't triumphant because of me. I should, I should have made that personal. I am not triumphant because of me. You are not triumphant because of you. But we are triumphant because we look to Jesus and he will carry us through. That's the only way we can experience victory. That's the only way we can be triumphant. It's not because we work harder and work harder and work harder and then we achieve. It's because of Jesus working through us. Ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Now, lest I get too carried away with the, the yeah, it, it's still me because... I need to reach out to Christ. Christ isn't going to force his way into your heart. Christ isn't going to force you to triumph. We've got to reach out and let him do the work through us as we look to him. We need to ask him to help us. Ask him to strengthen us. He wants to help us. First Corinthians 15:57 says, "But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ." Triumph comes through Christ. Triumph, and here again, um. I put down triumph is continuous. You might think, well, you should have said triumph should be continuous. Our verse in 1 Corinthians says, always causeth us to triumph. New King James puts it, always leads us in triumph. So triumph is continuous as we rely on Christ to carry us through. It's not triumphant one day and defeated the next day. <clears throat> How did David... Uh, let me back up. David's triumph wasn't, well, I was... I, I took on the bear and defeated it. The lion got the best of me and mauled me. 
And now I'm going after this giant. David's response was, I faced the bear, I faced the lion, and was victorious. Now I'm going to face the giant. Now I'm not going to complete the story right there, but uh, remember that. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In relation to this continuous triumph, somebody said it this way, it makes my life a constant pageant of triumph, a constant Ongoing triumph. First John 5, 4, for, whatso, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that, overcome, that has overcome the world, even our faith. <clears throat> I guess uh, sometimes I struggle a little bit um, when I print something out in the New King James and I'm, re- like, and I'm used to reading it in the King James it almost seems like when they replace overcometh with overcomes uh, loses a little bit in my thinking because I have underlined lots of times in my Bible when that ETH comes in there it's an ongoing process it's a continuous ongoing Whatever is born of God overcomes or overcometh a continuation. It's not just sporadic. Continuous, ever-abiding triumph. The next one, I already indicated parts of this one. But this triumph is not achieved by our own strength. Going back to verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 2 where it says... God um, unto God which always causeth us to triumph. We are no match for the foe in our own strength. And I don't think I'm telling you anything new when I say that this morning. I mentioned David a little bit ago with his encounter with the bear, the lion, and the giant. This was David's response back in 1 Samuel 17. He said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So David wasn't some strong man that was somehow able to overcome this bear and lion in his own strength. He said, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear, and the Lord will take care of me in the face of this this giant Goliath. Triumph is not achieved on our own strength. Daniel. Is 
so I don't know I haven't read a lot of Bible stories late late Bible story books lately but uh, I can about imagine what some of them might say in relation to some of these stories anymore Daniel didn't fight and win over the, the lions he didn't grab them like Samson by the beard and smite him this is what it says about Daniel and the lion's den. When the king came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Daniel did not achieve the victory, the triumph over the lions in his own strength. God brought his triumph. Let me read one more verse from Daniel. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in God. We don't triumph in our own strength. One more Old Testament example. <clears throat> and I don't know, this is just a minor thing. I, I wrote down the Hebrew men in the furnace. You know, we often think of them as boys, and I'm not sure how old they were. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their response to the king was this, and I break in in the middle of it. If this is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Dropping down a couple verses. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the fire ex furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to stop there just a little bit. The king got the strong men from his uh, kingdom to throw these into the furnace. The fire took their lives. These men were cast bound, fully clothed, into the midst of the furnace. Verse 23 says, These three fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, 
Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Why do I doubt that God can bring triumph in my situation? I say again, it's because of me. If you doubt that God can bring triumph in your situation, it's because of you. It's not because of God. It's not because there's nothing available. Romans 5.20, the last part of that verse says, Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. In this triumph, we have a place of safety. God always leads us in triumph in Christ. So we triumph because of our personal relationship with Christ. I do. You do. That's the way we triumph, because of our personal relationship with Christ. God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Colossians 3, beginning of the chapter, says this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Well, that takes it a step further. In Christ, in God. With Christ, in God. Verse 4, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We have a place of safety. We have a place that brings about this triumph, and it's in Christ. Christ working in our hearts. Job 1, verse 10 says, Satan talking to God, you have, put a, have you not put a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? I'm glad God protects us, doesn't let more come than what he provides ample for our triumph. Psalm 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. So what's the reason for this triumph? Why does God bring triumph into our lives? It is not to show our strength or our power. What would have happened to David if somehow he would have gained victory over the bear and over the lion with his own strength and then gone out to face Goliath? I don't know. Because he didn't do that. Daniel didn't rely on his own strength and power. The last part of verse 14 says, 
He always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. The New King James says, He through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I thought back to what Brother Levi preached here the other Sunday and that refiner's fire as the impurities are taken off to the point that the refiner can see his reflection in the purity of that metal. And that's what God wants from our lives. So our triumph and lack of, or lack of triumph, our triumph or defeat affects the aroma that goes out from our testimony as we let God work in us. Through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. As we let Christ work in our hearts, we come through triumphant. The aroma that goes out from that life diffuses the fragrance of God where we are. Now you go into the next verse and it says it's to those that perish and to those that are saved. Is it any wonder that the triumphant Christian uh, brings condemnation to those that are perishing? That's what it basically is saying here. We are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death. To the other the savor of life unto life. Our response in this battle, whether it's triumphant or in defeat, affects the aroma that goes out of our profession of being in Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God, for it is, <coughs> for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Christ working his power through us is what sends out that sweet aroma to others. We don't have any light of ourselves. You don't have any light of yourself. It's the light of Christ that's shining through us. That reflection from the refiner's fire. Someone said it this way. It's to show that the transcending, transcending power belonged to God and not to us. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me, in you, in us.
not sure where this quote came from. It says, no man can appear clever and exalt Christ at the same time. I thought about Daniel. What would have happened to Daniel or what would have happened to Daniel if back early in the book of Daniel when uh, the king had the dream and wanted to be told his dream and the interpretation, Daniel said, yep, I can do it. Probably he wouldn't have had an interpretation. And if he would have had an interpretation, it probably would have fallen flat. Daniel gave full credit to God. He said it's because of the God I serve that I can give the king his dream and the interpretation of it. Now I'm... Was that Daniel that gave the king his dream and the interpretation of it? Or was that another person? I was, I was afraid somebody might come to me afterwards and say, oh, you was, you was talking about Joseph. Uh, but uh, I didn't look that one up. Through all this, in our triumph, thanks be to God. And that verse... Verse 14 starts out, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. John 15, verse 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I'm not triumphant because of me. I am defeated because of me. I am triumphant because of Christ working in and through my life. You are triumphant because of Christ working in and through your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We face many battles, but we're not doomed to defeat because of the severity of the battle. He is the difference between defeat and triumph. And when I say he, I mean Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, there's a number of short verses there I want to refer to here in concluding. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from what is evil. Now I don't think I'm doing injustice to the scripture. I'm moving the end phrase of verse 18 down to the end of all that. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What then shall we say of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us?